Hey everybody, and welcome back to, to To The Point Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Noah Warren. And this is a little bit different. We're here on a Wednesday, but Tuesday night, I got to let my boys study. You know, Shay's <laughs> killing taxes. He's going to be a great accountant. And, you know, one night, I know you all can wait. I could wait. I talked some NBA last night. So tonight we're talking next on a Wednesday. I'm excited for it. Um, as always, I'll welcome in my co-host, Seamus. How you doing? How you feeling after the big test? Thank you. Thank you. I'm uh, just appreciative that uh, you're so accommodating to all my needs. It's, it's so nice to have. No, it was good. It was a big, uh, it was a big Zammer, but I'm glad it's over and I'm uh, ready to look forward and ready to enter the holidays. As we said last week, everybody, if it's a good result, we'll let you know. First things right here on To The Point. Yeah, if it's bad, be, you'll never hear that he took the test. That'll be, I'll never that'll mention be it again. <laughs> I love it. Don't, don't bring it up. I don't want to see anyone. Casey, I know you're watching this and I don't want to hear it from you either. Just yeah. don't bring it back up. We're Awful just gonna thumbs. we're gonna bury it deep down inside. Exactly. Never bring it up again. How are you doing, man? Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good, yeah. No, uh work's been busy and just um podcasting quite a bit. Um gonna be doing a podcast with our uh with our friend uh, Ben Murray Friday night about oh, uh yeah this weekend's nfl action so excited to do that with him but that's awesome yeah no uh week's been good so far gearing up for christmas Mm -hmm. sounds good and when i say christmas i mean the world juniors and football and (laughs) not actual christmas the real important the important stuff you know yeah no just like the the actual stuff that matters which is right good so tonight everybody we're gonna be recapping episodes five and six of next i mentioned to seamus before the podcast i kind of look at them as builder episodes, but they do include a lot of important information to uh, character building, character de- character development, and where the plot line is going to be progressing going forward. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There was some shady back deals in, in these episodes, but they're, they're definitely, you know, key episodes, I think, to finish off the, uh, to finish off the series, to be honest. Um, but yeah, no, I thought they were both, they were both really good episodes a little less action than maybe when we left off on the fourth episode, which, you know, contained a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of things going on at once. Uh, the team seems more scattered now than ever because of yeah. the explosion that happened at the end of episode four, but uh, yeah, you're right. They, these episodes are definitely builder episodes to what's to come. Right. So when we ended the last podcast, we said that there was a bomb. The man came in, he yelled CM Burton's name and the bomb went off. We learned starting the next, the next episode that the FBI director is deceased. He died, but no other main characters die. Um, CM is sent to the hospital and he's, he's kind of on, it's an interesting scene because we see in the first episode that somebody sent there and they're put on life support and they're, they're killed because of it. Well, the team is, is aware of this now. And as soon as he gets to the hospital, uh, Gina basically tells the doctors, yeah, n- not, no, no technology. You're going to yep. do this the old fashioned way. Yep, exactly. No medication there. He's, he's got a pretty bad gash right in his mm-hmm. stomach and uh, they want to put him on something that's going to relieve that pain, but because it can't be controlled by, it can't be controlled manually by the doctors. Uh, Gina makes basically tells them there's no way this man's going on, you know, any kind of uh, painkillers. Yeah. And they say they need to operate and, <laughs> She's, it's a funny scene because they tell her, yeah, he's going to have to be partially awake when this happens. And if you recall, she's not a huge fan of him. And <laughs> she says, yeah, yeah, that's okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like you know, telling live. It's kind of like telling your enemy, like, uh, yeah, they 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 could be bleeding out here, but yeah, just uh, no, it's it's okay if he's a little bit of pain, just let it happen. Yeah. No. Exactly. And so he's there, um, and LeBanc and Ben, the other member of the team, they're kind of figuring out what's going on because during the explosion, LeBanc and his daughter went by themselves. They got out of there and they stole the hard drive that they were using to download information on next. And Salazar and Ben realize it. They're looking for it. And she suspects him from the beginning, but before she can kind of go look for LeBanc, she has to go check in on her, on her husband and son, because she learns that an APB was put out on them after, you know, two episodes. Yeah, no, yeah. So there's, it's uh, obviously when they first got there, that's when they told her. But because there was so much going on, and because of the mm-hmm. riot going outside, they couldn't leave. So, uh, you know, family comes first for her clearly. So she's she's heading up there, and she basically puts Ben on a tracking mission to find LeBanc, because I mean, it's he's obviously a main piece. And they find out also at the beginning of episode four that it wasn't just you know, thrown around, it was actually taken, like it was lodged from the, yeah. the, the, uh, the piece of equipment that they've had it in. Right. Yeah. I found that interesting too, that they didn't suspect it like a rogue agent or something took it. Yeah. I thought maybe that could have, I, I know myself, I probably would have thought that mm-hmm. because, you know, he caused a distraction, a random person could just swoop in and maybe grab it. Yeah, no, that was, yeah, that's a definitely a fair assumption for sure. So this is happening. Like we said, she's going to go look. Uh, ben is going to try to track down LeBanc. Before we move on to LeBanc, who's a key factor in all these episodes, Ted LeBanc, Paul's brother. So really, this guy, he works at Zava. He's been, he knows he's going down. He knows he's probably going to be kicked out. And we see at the beginning of this episode, it's really interesting. He tries to kill himself. He tries to commit suicide by uh, carbon monoxide poisoning by um, starting the car in his garage and he put rolls the windows down and closed the garage door. So basically kill himself without much pain. Mm-hmm. But we see that the garage door is open and the car stops. And this is done by next and next basically saves Ted and says, and I quote, I'm next and we're going to do great things together. Yeah. It's just, it's a, you know, this whole time they're trying to chase, chase this networking down to find this thing. And it's going to the one person that probably, you know, could give it exactly what it wants. And this is, this comes back to preying on the weaknesses of of people. And I mean, here we have Ted, he's, he's defeated. Like he's going to lose the company, you know, who knows, what else, what else entails of, you know, monetary value, like he maybe lose all his shares, but you know, here next comes and says, listen, like I can give you everything you need. Like if, but we can work together right. to get this. And the scene afterwards, I think is hilarious. Yeah, I, I agree. And I thought I can, of a comparison to this and you'll find this funny. Cause you know, I hate this genre, but it came to me. I thought of Dr. Octavius and Spider-Man two, Mm-hmm. You know how he's putting all that money into, you know, making his project with, you know, all the different arms and whatnot. Yep. And basically his wife is killed and he loses everything. 
mm-hmm. but these arms give him the power to do, you know, to do what he couldn't do before. So I see Ted in the same position, such a, like you said, a desperate, desperate human being who just wants, who's jealous of his brother and all he wants is power. And this is exactly what next can provide for him. Exactly. Exactly. So like you said, the next scene is very funny. So we'll pivot to that. He, he basically for, for what Ted does next, he goes into Zava and they're that day they're going to get rid of him. And he comes in very different than what he was before. He's kind of tentative before, really agitated. He comes in basically like Paul, mm-hmm. very matter of fact. And he, he begins to spill secrets about the employees of Zava, which he would have no knowledge of knowing, but next does. Mm-hmm. So he, he blackmails his way, including stories about one employee embezzling, uh, underage sex, and he got all this information from Next, and they're forced to keep him on because he has information on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So this is this goes back to the weakness, and you know, Next knows that he's getting booted pretty quickly, and you know, he essentially Next needs him as mm-hmm. you know, kind of almost a dummy, I would say, to do kind of his biddings from a corporation standpoint using right. Zava. Right. Um, but yeah, he just goes in there and that's a great comparison of comparing him, uh, comparing him to Paul, because that's exactly what he walks in. Like he's, he's firing off to these shareholders, like these multi multi millionaires, uh, people that he's technically supposed to work for. Right. Not, uh, so he's just going in there with full confidence. And I love that scene where the, the one guy who tried to warn him about, you know, you better resign. He walks out and he says like, you can't do this. You can't just blackmail these, you know, we're shareholders. You can't just blackmail us like this. And he just turns to him. He's like, I just did. Yeah. And, he walks, and then he walked away like just a full on cocky son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. And he, it's interesting. The people that we've seen with next, how their mood shifts they're just yeah. different people. They, I don't even think we can tell you the audience. They get ultimate power because you have information on anybody you want. You have access to money. You have access to people's finances. You have access to different countries if you really want it. And I mean, getting people out of prison, they had, they had access to that. So this system is so, so powerful. Yeah, it's nothing, it would be nothing that any form of government has ever faced before. No. In the sense that there's no, you know, there's no way you could look back. It's not, it's not like it's a nuclear, it's not a hazard. It's just like, it's just a form, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't even know how to I guess it's a form of terrorism. It could be. Kind of, yeah, a little bit, for sure. So, yeah, so Ted basically says, yeah, I'm, I'm staying here and screw you. Mm-hmm. While this is happening, we see the bank and his daughter and they're escaping the FBI building. He's very on edge and he's funny scene. They get on a bus because there's no cameras really on buses, which I found you know smart and interesting too. Mm-hmm. But it's a funny scene. It's one of my favorite scenes from the, from the show. He sees a woman sitting across from him and he says, can I buy your sunglasses? And he pays, he pays a thousand dollars for them. Yeah, exactly. No, it is. And at first I'm thinking, you know, is, 
is he like gonna buy this girl's outfit like yeah does not take but it's literally just to buy this buy these sunglasses i don't know whether it's to cover his eyes what do you think are yeah they- i think i think eyes are the are the predominant thing that they they fix on so okay. we see that a lot like um to go into buildings and stuff some some people put their eyes onto screens and things now so i think okay. maybe that's kind of the point they're trying to illustrate here okay i see i see no it, it is it is funny though and then um and then we see what's what's he do he goes into an alleyway and basically talks to a drug dealer but that's about it's all we know from there so first you're thinking you know was he what like is he buying drugs is he yeah his condition like it's really weird yeah he buys so he goes in, in this alleyway like Seamus said and he buys <laughs> he said first we need to find an old shitty car basically yeah. and he buys a drug dealer's vehicle because it's old and it doesn't have you know the technology where it could be tracked so exactly he buys this old car and oh before that they did go to a a fancy hotel yeah and he purposely took his sunglasses off and looked into a camera and he said he did this to create a digital footprint so it would make next and whoever's trying to track him think that he's staying there when they had plans all along to leave Mm -hmm. all well his poor daughter is just like she's got no clue what's going on there's she knows there's something wrong with him but yeah not saying much it's like kind of frustrating as a watch as a watch because you're like god like like this is your daughter can you just let her in on some of the things that are going on just so she's more informed so she can actually help if it ever came to it yeah no exactly i found the same thing i i i felt for her because i'm like he's not telling her anything yeah and it's not like she's 15 you know she's into i'd say she's late 20s early 30s that's my guess just so you know she's got her own life and he's basically saying yeah just come and shut up and you'll be safe yeah yeah it's rather annoying but yeah i mean he's doing it for the right reasons but he's just like we said he's a terrible communicator and Mm -hmm he struggles to get anything across without being condescending. So, mm-hmm. so th- that we'll get back onto that storyline, but while this is happening, we flip back to Ethan and Ty who are staying at this old place and Ignacio is this new neighbor that they have and he's teaching Ethan to fish and it seems great. But like we mentioned last week, this guy, this character, this actor He's known for being a villain. And actually this week I watched another show. He was in it. And of course he was a drug dealer. Villain. What was the show? It was a FBI. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, how fitting. We're going to talk about this on the podcast. Yeah. So he decides not to go fishing with the boys, but he says he'll cook whatever they catch. And at the end of the scene, we look at the back of his neck and he's got the cross tattoo. So this kind of closes the book. He's the one that escaped prison which was interesting. We found, we found that out later, but he is in that prison scene. We, we were, me and you were kind of debating of who escaped or, you know, he's the one that got out of that prison after serving like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Then of course, just as a recap, this was all next doing so in the sense yeah. that she made that divert, like made a diversion for the other guards to, you know, to get away. And this guy was able to get away. I think he even killed somebody getting out. Yeah. And then like you said, yeah, it was, it was the big cross on his neck and he was flying on a plane. Right. So 
so he's there with the kids and he's there with the kid and Ty and we'll get that towards the end, but I just wanted to throw that in just cause it's important later on, but we'll flip back to Gina and CM and there's a really interesting scene where we see them bond because she's kind of flipping through his wallet and she sees that he has a son. So she feels for him more. And then they chat for a while. They kind of talk about his life and how he was the reason to stop that, that terrorist attack, that Blackbridge, you know, the white supremacy group. And then she saves his life because she's in the hallway kind of getting him ice chips or something. Cause he can't drink water. Yeah. And she thinks she sees somebody that's a threat and he kind of looks like one. He's kind of a, you know, he's got tattoos. He's, you know, he fits the profile of the, you know, TV criminal. Mm-hmm. And when she gets back into the room, a doc, a nurse is about to inject more. Uh, it's like a morphine or a painkiller into him. Yeah. But if she would have injected it, he would have died because he would have overdosed. Yeah, he was clearly he was jacked up on whatever it was already before you can see he's kind of loopy and he even tells the nurse he's like you know you can't put this in me like i i've already had my dose like i'm gonna i'm gonna die yeah at the beginning she's told he's gonna get this every four hours but what happens is their report on when he's supposed Mm -hmm. to get it is interfered with by next so next tried to lay a hit on cm yeah and she stops the nurse. She basically threatens the nurse and says, don't come back in here or you're going to see what happens. Yeah. And it's interesting because she saves a friend of sorts, but not really. Frenemy in a sense. A I frenemy. Guess. And, but she, she shows real concern for him and it's mm-hmm. a shift in their relationship for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We just see like, and we go back to when we first talked about, um, you know, the doctor, uh passing away and like and how next was able to do that almost like seamlessly just through technology and that's what almost happened again except you know this guy was going to be double dosed and you know more likely probably pass away as well but the nurse kind of defends herself she's like like listen like i like this is what the notification said like it must be right Mm -hmm. right it's just an over-reliance on technology that we have now yeah oh exactly and she, they basically decide to leave the hospital because they don't feel it's safe. And she's like, I'm going to take you somewhere where I know that we won't be interfered with. Yep. So that happens. Um, so we'll move on to the biggest plot at the end, but what happens with LeBanc is they leave the hotel through the underground tunnel. Like we mentioned, they get a car and we just see that they're followed we don't know what really happens with them. That's kind of one of the cliffhangers of the episode. Yeah. But we also learn that Ted LeBanc, we mentioned earlier, he's staying at Zaba, but he has the next server in a storage unit. Mm-hmm. He has access to it and he plans to use it, whoever he sees fit. And it's not for good intentions. Not the greater good, no. You see him, the introduction is basically him bringing his head i don't know if you want to call her engineer or mm. tech person his, his, his most trusted ally yeah i would definitely say the right hand of ted and like he's saying like me and you are going to make some great things happen basically yeah. and that's kind of where that ends but knowing where the server is is obviously a key point for us because 
you know, now we kind of have a destination of where, where this technology, where this, you know, enemy is, I guess. Yeah. Before it was kind of just up in the air. We never knew, but now we know where it is and who has control of it. Mm -hmm. And we know what's interesting about Ted having it is we know Ted, if it was just a random new character, kind of what we've seen earlier with, you know, the doctor being interfered with uh, or anything like, you know, a, a villain that we just get introduced with who have, we have no information on. It's, mm-hmm. it's less compelling, I think, because we don't know anything about them. We just see them as the evil character. Yeah. We know Ted, we know he has some good in him, but he's a really kind of a depressed man. Like he, he seemed to have lost a lot of spunk, you know, a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. And this is, he's using this, as his drug, you know, for somebody that was like a depressed using drugs as a, as a void, he's using yeah. next to keep him going. Exactly. Yeah. This is a guy who's, he's clearly desperate in the sense mm-hmm. that, you know, he was willing to take his own life instead of maybe lose. Um, but he's now, he's got all the cards in his favor in the sense that he's got all the information and all the power that he needs to do whatever he, ha- he can, or he wants to. Right. And the episode ends with him calling her, like you said, and he's he's got bad intentions, and we don't know what until the next episode. But let's just—I just want to pause. How great does this guy play a villain, though? Oh, he's I mean, fantastic. For for people who've watched Ozark, and I highly recommend. You were the one who turned me on to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, great show. This guy just plays a villain like to a T. Yeah, he's got that snarky look. He's got that confidence when he is confident. Like we said, when he walked into the boardroom, mm-hmm. but this guy, this guy is a, he's, he's a, he's a good, good actor in the sense that he makes you want to hate him, which is good. I find. Yeah, no, I completely agree. He's, he knows how to put that face on. Yeah. And we see in the next episode, he tries to be sympathetic and like, and he can do it pretty well, but it's, it's almost like being sympathetic, but only because it's hurting him. You know, he's not sympathetic to, the person's problem, but he's, he's a villain through and through. Mm-hmm. And if you watch Ozark, you can get your own opinion, but I kind of think he was a villain on Ozark. He's an FBI agent, but he wasn't a great FBI agent. You know, he didn't do no. everything by the book. Yeah, exactly. He basically, he was using people and I mean, just doing whatever he could to, I guess, yeah. get his case, get his yeah. man. Yeah. Exactly. So no, I, I completely agree. Uh, Joseph Butler Harner's his name. Great, great actor. I think he's been great in both shows and uh, no, he, he's been great. Um, and before we wrap up episode five, we see Salazar finally make it to the cabin and she's obviously excited to see her son and husband, but she walks into the cabin and her mood instantly shifts and it's seeing Ignacio and at first I just thought she was nervous because she didn't know him you know she thought they're going to be there alone but the camera flashes and we see that he has a gun but they do it matter of factly they want us to know that he has a gun mm-hmm. it's different than just you know having a gun and being suspense she knows it but she doesn't she doesn't react right away she doesn't pull out a gun you know that's probably the instant reaction and he sits down and Ty is still oblivious to who he is. And they start talking about family and Ignacio says it's the most important thing in the world. And he'd do anything to have it back. 
Mm-hmm. And before anything can happen, he starts getting a weird feeling from Ignacio. Ty does. And Salazar says, don't move. He has a gun. Yeah. And before he can grab the knife, Ignacio pulls the gun on them. And it's revealed to us that he's actually Salazar's father. And this was a big surprise to me. I did not see that coming. I didn't, like I said, when I came in, I, I just thought she's like, whoa, why is this guy here? But she really uncomfortable. We also learned that she kind of ratted on him and put him in prison. She wasn't an officer at the time, but she's a key witness as to why he was in prison for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we know, you know, we know this guy is clearly like he's, he's a criminal through and through. Yeah. Um, and you're right. That look like she, she doesn't like really keep his, like her eyes don't come off him as soon as she gets inside this cabin because she knows like he's a dangerous like this guy's a criminal you know she maybe there's a sense like a sense of like uh, surprise to him yeah. and maybe in the sense that's why she didn't pull her gun right away um but yeah no like that i thought the same as you like this guy was clearly just a stranger maybe she was just a little threatened by that in a time like this but no like as as the scene kept going you could tell that that he was he was more than just a stranger and he's he was someone that she knew uh, and uh, yeah that was I mean it was brilliant to have him have him there as as in the sense the writers put him there mm-hmm. and the storyline being created it was it was I thought it was really really excellent to be honest yeah I, I agree and we learned that next released him gave him money passports to get there yep and the episode ends with him taking Ethan and uh he uh Basically, Salazar and uh, Ty are tied up, and he leaves with Ethan in the car. That's it. It was a it was a great cliffhanger in the sense, like, damn, like, like talk about being take tr- talked about being stripped away from everything. Oh, abs- absolutely, and mm-hmm. it was a uh, an interest an interesting episode, and we'll we'll pivot to the to the next episode just because. The two are so, I find we're doing two episodes per podcast. And I think it's great because I find two episodes really gel well together. Mm-hmm. And especially this one, because every storyline's kind of progressed. And yeah. Yeah. So the next episode starts and it's kind of like episode four where we don't really know what, what's happening. There's, we see a hospital in Somalia and a bunch of villagers are there and they have this a vaccine of some type or you know they're given they're given a test that's what they're they're said a bunch of a bunch of guys with weapons kind of a cap captain phillips vibe um, a militia more or less yeah exactly and a vigil, a vigil the villagers, yeah and the villagers are being there against their will they're clearly right. you know, yeah they're being they're being hurtled. they're being forced to take this test yeah and the bottles were from biomotion and biomotion was where the um, Stephen Hawking type uh, professor was was there, and he that was his company. So we're you know, instantly I'm like, this, this is interesting. Um, so we go, we figure out, we go. So that we'll talk about that later. But that's just a, a start to the episode. It's kind of thrown away until later. Mm-hmm. Paul and Abby. Paula Bank and his daughter Abby go to an abandoned tech site. And it's kind of like an old port, like old shipbuilding. And 
it's an abandoned tech that LeBanc built. It's got all kinds of technology in it, old. It's got an old uh, bed in there. It's kind of like a interesting old, you know, interesting building anyway. Mm-hmm. And they have the hard drive and he wants to figure out what it does, what it's planning to do. Yeah, it's revealing. I guess like in the sense that it's the first time that we actually see the hard drive since it went missing in episode right. four. Yeah. So they, you know, the, the suspicions that tells are hard were hundred percent correct. Like this guy, he took it in a sense because he probably thinks that he's the only one that's going to be able to stop this. Did you get that feeling or? Yeah, I, I would say so because it's so complex that he's probably got the only brain that can really defeat it. Yeah. I feel the same. And he kind of mentions that, but he says it more cocky. Like he's like, no, nobody's smart enough to do this. Like I built it. I can d- destroy it. Yeah. In a, in Apollo bank fashion. Right. Exactly. And, but this is a big episode for the bank too, because we see the whole, I think it's so interesting because we see his whole brain really, because this episode, we see the highs and lows and the next scene, his disease is getting worse. Mm-hmm. And he has hallucination that Ted is there and obviously he's not there, but Ted basically says, I know your secret. And it's an interesting line. It's kind of a throwaway, but it clearly bothered LeBanc because he was irritated and he starts yelling and his daughter's like, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. And this is just one of a few hallucinations in this episode, but Paul is clearly spiraling. Mm-hmm. I thought he was actually there. Like I, I, thought- did, I did too first because he came in the door that they came in and I was like, okay, well, maybe you could just track them. Next would know where they are kind of thing. Like this makes sense, but yeah. it, it's so off site that even next doesn't know where he is. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's how they, it's, like, it's almost like a little bunker in the sense that mm-hmm. it must've been called Paul, something Paul created years ago. And that, you know, he knew it would be the only place that would probably be safe for them. Right. Um, so we'll move on to that one and we'll come back to that one in a bit, but see, uh, we'll move to the quick ones. CM and Gina leave the hospital after he was almost killed. And they basically go to a homeless, like a homeless shelter. Um, yeah. and they just hunker down there, but it's, it's pretty smart because there's going to be no technology there and there's really no, they don't have any fear of being caught or followed or anything like no, that. They would like they blend in perfectly or there in the sense that, you know, no one would probably go looking there. Right. Or at least not someone right away. Yeah. The only problem really, it's not really mentioned again this episode, but uh, CM's in a lot of pain. He's yeah. they didn't he didn't get great medical <laughs> medical coverage at the hospital and he's still feeling the effects, but him and Gina bond and I think their hatred for one another is really decreasing as the episodes go by. Yeah, I feel the same way. These these two get so much closer in this episode, particularly because uh, CM is heavily relying on Gina in mm-hmm. the sense that you know, you know, he's he's not not only for just support for for emotional support as well. Yeah, uh, and I think he opens up to her a lot this episode in the sense that he tells us, you know, they they have a conversation about his kid. Uh, and he says, you know, you know, don't ever like I, at one point, I think he says, don't ever do it. And she says, what, what do you mean? And he says, well, don't like, 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 don't ever let your kids go. Like it's, I'd rather die. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the first sense 
for like to see him have some suicidal thoughts over this like is he not in the right mind space yeah yeah it's interesting because he's he's a he's really forthcoming kind of with everybody i find for somebody that's had a checkered past he's not afraid to share his emotions and he's an interesting character i think he'll still have a lot to do in the the last you know the last quarter of this of the show but he he's been a really compelling character thus far so we'll move on to ignacio and ethan so he takes ignacio he leaves salazar and her husband at the at the at their little house there and they go to an airfield and they want to fly he wants to fly to mexico in this old old plane like you think of the wright brothers creating the plane like this is this one's right up there. This one, I, it's, it's, it's an old bastard, that plane. Yeah. It is something your three-year-old probably drew and this, this is what you're riding in now. Yeah. It doesn't look safe. And basically the mechanics like, yeah, man, you're not getting up in this today. Yeah. And Ignacio just shows him his gun and he says, uh, actually we're going to be going in 15 minutes. Yeah. How's that? And the guy's like, yeah, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> and yeah, it wouldn't be a great working situation knowing your life's on the line if it doesn't go well. Yeah, exactly. So they get, while this is happening, Salazar and her husband Ty are able to get free of the ropes, but they don't have any clue of where they're going. They don't, they don't know where they are, but they, they she calls Ben and he's able to help them. He says there's an airfield nearby. And he also sees on Ignacio's records that the passports were like a Mexican passport to get back into the country. So they put two and two together and know that they have to go to the airfield. Yeah, no, it's a, it's like, it just keeps me thinking like Salazar has got so much support from her team throughout mm-hmm. the whole, the series. Like, I mean, they've always been there for her. They're trying to help her in any way they can. I think it's really, really just interesting, like how committed they are to her. Yeah, I think we see her as a leader, as the true leader. And it's, it's. I like it too, because we see the female lead be the leader. It's not LeBanc. You know, he's, he's by his own, he's on his own. She's, she's the leader and, you know, they follow her no matter what, which, you know, I like to see, I like to see her in that role. I think just because it's different from normal, you know, crime shows where it's always the man leading the crew. Yeah. You got a male lead in most of those shows. And I think she does a great job and she's, she's definitely impressed me so far. Uh, also it's worth mentioning, like um, there's a lot of bickering going on between her and Ty in the sense that, you know, there's a lot of shady stuff that goes, went on in her past when she grew right. up in Honduras and, you know, Ty is a little put off by this in the sense that like he's, he's threatened by, you know, how, you know, he's like, just like, what, like, who, who were you before I met you essentially? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point because he didn't know her father was in prison. He didn't yeah. know her father was alive. And, you know, obviously him being there with her father, a killer with his son for, you know, a day or so. I mean, obviously it would be very gripping for him because, you know, he could have killed them at any point if he didn't want if he didn't want the kid, I mean, he could have killed the husband. Why keep him alive? You know, that's just a risk she took. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, she says that it's all because he wanted to keep 
the family safe and thinking, you know, he was in jail forever and that he was never going to get out right. for whatever he did. Um, so he just, she just lied. I mean, she just said like he was dead. So. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely an interesting, interesting thing. Uh, so while this is happening, Ted LeBanc is on a kind of a Skype call, business call with Zytech. And it's a technical, it's like an air fuel. It's like a technical power plant. So it's one of the bigger ones in the world. And he wants to create new innovative tech. But the bigger plan is to build more of these, uh, more of that vaccine that we later see is killing many, all of the Somalian uh, civilians that were forced to take it. They're all dying. And mm-hmm. it, it comes back later, but clearly this next can access many things. And Ted is using just this, this one as a potential terrorist thing to, it could wipe out, you know, they go through it. It could wipe out almost all of India if, it, if it's utilized correctly. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's super scary in the sense that um, he was, he, uh, um, Ted was really like enthusiastic about it. And it kind of made you like wonder, like, has he lost all consciousness of what's mm. going on and what's right? Like, I don't know if he has a full grasp. Do, do you think he has a full grasp of what's going on with no the bigger plan for next yeah i don't i think he's just so stuck in that vortex of the power and yeah he's basically just following whatever it says i mean exactly he next what next does is makes you think for these people that it's your idea and mm-hmm. you know to to wipe out a whole country and he doesn't mm-hmm. even blink he's he's calling this we mentioned how he's such a good villain he's calling this tech guy and he talks to him like he's just going to create new tech. And he says, well, I've got offers from this, this, and this. And he's basically saying, take my deal or fuck you. Like I'm going to, I'm moving on. Yeah. And yeah. he speaks to him like with a cocky arrogance. And that- he's almost speaking down to him in the sense that like, you know, like you're going to take this, like he's almost that confident that this guy's going to take this deal he's like there's no way you're not going to take this deal yeah he's like this is such a good deal for you like you're going to take it yeah it's it's insane yeah so he takes he does that and the basically zytech is like after a little bit of bickering like yeah yeah of course like we'll do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we don't know what's going to happen yet but we know it could be really bad for the, for the world if this can go through. Yeah. I mean, we're getting, uh, I think that what happens is when uh, Paul was at his bunker that he starts yeah. to get these videos and you start to see, and him and Abby can literally see that uh, these people in Somalia or wherever they are, yeah, are, are just being poisoned to death essentially as basically lab rats. Um, and, you know, they they know that this is they figure out that this is this, what Nexus game plan is is to spread this across the world and to get rid of practically yeah. everybody. So right now it's like a vaccine, but they could make it into like if they dropped it, like literally drop it out of the sky like in a liquid form, and mm-hmm. if it touched people, which of course you know, so many people, it could kill the entire nation. You know, close. Yeah. To, it said like a billion plus people in India. So you know that's 
and some scary stuff. And going from there, Paul, Paul has a, a hallucination where his daughter is young and asking him why he can't fix it. Mm-hmm. And it's a really, it's a sad scene because it, the hallucination is basically saying like the daughter saying, daddy, why can't you help me? And it's, it's tough because he thinks it's so real. And then we, it pans again. He's talking to blank space. Yeah. Just thin air. And we see him spiraling again. Cause he has more hallucinations where he's talking to 10 people that are all Paul. So yeah. basically just think of this audience. You're sitting around a dinner table and there's 10 seats and you're at the head of it. And next to your right, left all around is just you. Yeah. You're saying something. And then your counterpart is like, no, nope, that's stupid. And it's all kind of, they're all, they're not all saying good things. They're all like, no, Ted's smarter than you, or you're not gonna be able to fix this, Paul. Like, you know, this, like it's way smarter than you. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent. And what I think the first thing I thought of was how cocky of a person do you have to be to have your own, you know, visualizing yourself yeah. as, you yeah. know, the, the person you see when you're hallucinating. Like, and it's just him talking to himself. Maybe that's how he sees, maybe that's, maybe that's the, how it's been throughout the whole series, you know, and, and we're just right. finally seeing it as a viewer. Right. Um, I think it's worth noting that there was a hanging person beside him. And at first you're like, mm-hmm. like, oh God, like just him hallucinating about himself. But then we don't see the upper half of the body. We right. only see the lower half and he's not startled at all. No, he knows exactly who it is. And these hallucinate, these uh, hallucinants that, were around him like you said are basically just talking um uh talking about how that ted or not paul stole this idea from this head yeah and you know paul's defending himself he's like oh like this never would have got off the ground like this this you know this was basically a scrap before i picked it up right you know he's having this argument with himself and i just find it so funny that he's that cocky like like he can't argue with anyone else but himself That's the right. only person that he'll face. Yeah, it was kind of Zuckerberg-esque because if you've watched The yeah. Social Network, you learn, and Sawyer, if you're listening to this, yes, it's fact. Zuckerberg did not come up with the idea for Facebook. He's a fraud. So he stole it. That's white-collar crime, but we'll move on. Um, yeah, apparently Ted had the idea, but Paul, like you said, he's with himself. He's saying, I, I made it better. Like, so kind of Zuckerberg asked too, like they had this idea, but I made it what it is. Yeah. So, oh, I would have never went anywhere if it yeah. wasn't for me picking it up. Like, come on. Like, that's so garbage. Yeah. So the original Paul is starting to realize like, this isn't normal. Like there's 10 Pauls right now. And he goes and he basically gets booster cables and he shocks himself in the brain, mm-hmm. takes them puts it on both sides of his head and goes, and apparently he's done this once before, but with medical professionals there. And I kind of, I kind of related to saying when they say clear on your chest, but he did this on his head with his brain. Yeah, it is. uh, It's, it's insane. We just see him run around grabbing all these tools. You're like, what the hell is he going to have in mind? (laughs) And yeah, just to do that to yourself more or less, like you got to have some confidence that it's going to work because yeah. if it doesn't, I mean, he knows what's at stake. If it doesn't work and he dies, well, he might be the, he might be the key to saving all this and fixing all this. 
Right. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the first thing I thought of like, is he, is he selfish or is he know that he has to get better in order for him to battle this? No, completely agreed. And so this happens, Abby's outside of the time because at this time he tells her about the disease mm-hmm. and right before this, he tells her about the disease. She's reading up on it and she learns that she has a 50% chance of getting it. Um, but she runs in and luckily he's okay. But the side effects are he, he doesn't remember her name. Honestly, he, he, he knows her, I think, but he does not know her name. He doesn't remember his daughter's name. Yeah. It's kind of sad almost. In the yeah. sense that, like, you know, like is, is he going to start, is he going to start re- uh, remembering less and less about her life? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's almost like a dementia, you know, it, it's kind of what, what this disease reminds me of. Cause he's, he's like, he's, uh, he honestly, he says it kind of funny, but he says, uh, like, I feel fine, but, uh, who are you again? I don't remember you. And she says it like, really kind of like, uh, I'm Abby, your daughter. And she's like, Oh yeah, you know, I knew that. <laughs> so pivoting to Salazar and Ty, uh, they're driving to the airfield. Um, the plane's ready to go, but Ignacio kills the mechanic. So we learn that this guy is a murderer and Psychopath. yeah, he's, he's a psycho and he comes out from the door from killing the mechanic and Ethan has pulled a gun on him. And this brings us back to really the first or second episode where he almost brought a gun to school yeah. and he's got the gun. And Ignacio is not worried about him shooting because he says, what are you aiming for? He says, you ever shot a gun before? And he's kind of saying, you're not going to kill your grandfather. And he's, he's trying to bait him in. But before he can go take the gun from Ethan, Salazar comes out from around the corner. She's got a pump shotgun on him. And it, it's interesting because he's he doesn't do anything. And it's almost, Ethan goes to the car and this is really the, penultimate scene of the of the episode the defining scene of the episode yeah no and just to like to to reiterate like i find it so interesting like that we revisit that that theme of you know ethan having a gun and ethan Mm -hmm. having a gun the book back it was just funny to see that twice in one series right Um, but yeah no like this guy is like okay, this kid's not going to shoot me. Like he doesn't, like he's never shot anyone before in his life. Like, yeah. He's got full confidence and he walks right up to him. And I think that's just like, this guy's a, a psycho in all senses that he's, he knows, he knows a lot about people. I think yeah. like in a sense, when it comes to danger and things like that. And I also think like he had no fear at all. He probably doesn't have fear of dying in a sense. Like he was just like, well, okay. Like, like, what's this kid going to do? Shoot me? He's probably not even going to, he's probably not even going to hit me. Right. So Ty and um, Ethan yeah. go to the car and Ignacio kind of starts to pick on his daughter. He kind of, he starts mocking her because he says, oh, you're going to arrest me again and all this. And he says, you know, you really trust that I'm going to be in this jail for the rest of my life. Like I got out once, I'll get out again. And she says no, and we don't see it on camera, but we hear a gun go off, and we learn later on that she, in fact, killed her father. Yeah. 
it was uh it was huge in the set like did you did you think that she was going to be able to do it did you think that no, it was going to happen when it happened at first and we didn't see it on screen i'm like i wonder if she i don't know i was like maybe she just fired a shot and hoping he's dead but i don't like i didn't have faith that she would because she's yeah. been kind of by the book so far exactly i mean she in, in all senses too like she does everything like a good fbi agent should and this yeah. is her first real turning where she's like am i going to be able to put my family at risk again like this and she basically has to make that decision um do you think you know was it was it okay for her to do that as a like as a character do you think that she should have yeah i think i think there's two schools of thought there's her as the fbi agent and then there's her as a mother and he got to her once and I don't think she could take the risk of him getting out again. Mm -hmm. And she just, she had to take matters into her own hands and then being out in the airfield. I don't think she's going to get in trouble for this kill. I think those are just kind of, you know, be a, a plot point mm -hmm. and just her as a person. I think she just needed that comfortability that this, this threat is out of her life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we see a lot, and the and she brings up a lot of stuff talking to Ty about her past and her past with him in particular. Yeah. And you could almost kind of see that there was like a lot of hatred towards him and <laughs> the way that you know he treated uh, Salazar's mother too yeah. as well. Yeah, we learn he's kind of like an abusive father. He was never there for her, and I think he she kind of reiterated that he wanted a son, and she yeah. was just she was there, um, but. We also see a big divide because Ty, like you mentioned earlier, he's mad that he didn't, she didn't tell him about her father and that, you know, his, his son could have been killed numerous times. And mm -hmm. he says, until this case is over, me and Ethan are going to stay with my mother. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, no, that's not safe. Like there's cameras like, and he's like, I don't care, figure it out. It's not safe. It's not safe to be near you. And I don't really want to be near you right now either. So it, it's really, it's a, it's a separation for sure, because he's not, he doesn't have full trust in his wife right now. Exactly. Yeah, no, there's definitely a huge divide uh, between them. And it's clearly affecting, you know, affecting their trust for each other. And it's, it's almost scary in the sense that, you know, it's, he's willing to put, himself at risk him and Ethan at risk mm -hmm. because he's that uncomfortable with her right now yeah and so that ends that storyline but before we end the episode Abby's really concerned about Paul because he's having hallucinations he just shocked himself in the head and she sees Ted as her father figure uh he's her uncle but he's basically her father figure so she calls him and oh uh, this was a frustrating part a frustrating scene from her because you can understand where she's coming from, but it's so, it's so upsetting. So she calls, calls Ted and basically says, we have the hard drive. And of course this is terrible news for him because he's like, wait, you can track me. Mm -hmm. um, so he says, yeah, well just plug it into your phone and send me the information so I can figure out what's happening. And while this is happening, next basically deletes the hard drive. Yeah, Paul is away. He's not there. Yeah. I think he's actually sleeping, maybe, which is like the first time in the whole series you actually see him close his eyes. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So he's kind of, he's either sleeping or he's doing something because he's not there and she's doing it behind his back. She knows it's wrong. I think like she knows like, okay, my father wouldn't want me to do this, but it's for his own good. Mm -hmm. So she does this, she's got her phone in and it's basically backing up. It's erasing everything. And she's kind of like, wait, what the hell is going on? Yeah. It's not what she wanted. And Ted says on the phone, I know you wouldn't understand, but this is for the best. And if he's got that big grin on his face, cause he's like, I'm beating Paul here. Like I'm, he's got no chance of finding me. Mm-hmm. And Abby realizes at the end that Ted's not all great because she abruptly ends the phone call and is pretty pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. She's definitely like, she, I think she clues in that Ted is maybe he has something to do with this or that yeah. he's not the guy he pretends to be. Right. So exactly. So her father comes in, he's instantly upset. He tries, he's walking with her, but they're really mad. But what happens she did, she, she messed up, but he figures out just being Paula bank, being the, the brilliant guy that he is that Ted wanted that deleted for a reason. Mm-hmm. And he makes the discovery that Ted has the server. And this is the big revelation of the episode where the two brothers are finally pitted against each other. It's we've been waiting for it for a while and it's finally here where they both know that they're coming after each other. Yeah. Yeah. It almost, it's nice in the sense that there feels like a real progress has been done uh, with, you know, catching next Yeah. because, and credit to Abby. I mean, she obviously did maybe messed up, but if it wasn't for her mess up, then they would Paul would have never known, no. you know, that Ted had had next and knew where it was located. Yeah. And we also see Paul a little different because he he says to Abby, like, no, 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 you didn't mess up. You did good. Like this, this helped. Mm-hmm. Like now I know what I'm what I'm up against. Yeah, exactly. Helping their relationship. So that's basically where the episode ends. And they decide to leave the bunker because Paul sees um this not a camera, but it's like a power line. And he kind of, he's worried. I think they were tailed in the last episode. And I think he's worried they're about to be found. Okay. I thought, I thought you could see somebody uh, from the distance watching. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Cause it's, they're near like water. So there's rocks there. So yeah, you might be right. Cause he's, okay. he's really, he was really scared. Like he's like, oh, yeah. It's yeah. yeah. So yeah, they're going to get out of there. And I mean, it kind of sh- like, it kind of shifts towards the sense that, you know, now probably Zalazar and Paul will find each other again. Yeah. And they'll probably, with this inform- new information, they'll be able to uh, attack it. Yeah, I I agree. I think they'll find each other. The, the team will kind of say okay, our best chance of defeating this and defeating a known enemy now is to work together with all our resources. And I also think Ethan and Ty separating is going to be bad for them in the long run. I think so as well. Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be some uh, some payback in the sense that they'll, you know, they're going to be exposed to to next, mm-hmm. and I think that that's gonna they're going to use that to work that next is going to use that information against Salazar. No, agreed. Um, so that wraps up episodes five and six like you said they're builder episodes but a lot of key information not as much uh high speed action mm-hmm. but we see a lot of different character development we, see, we learn a lot of new information 
And it's really setting up to be, or we have four episodes left to be really exciting because we now know the protagonist, the antagonist, and we don't really know what next can do, but we know some of its power. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's great to see. And um, you can see that the team's scattered right now, but you almost feel the sense that they're going to bond back together and, you know, somehow they're going to find a way to defeat this. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they do or not that's that's an entirely different thing but I just love uh, I love the sense that next was preying on the weaknesses of Salazar again uh, by pitting getting her father who obviously has a hatred for her, to the very place that she doesn't want him to be yeah right right next to her kid yeah like here's probably one of the most dangerous men that she's ever known yeah well I'm gonna you know I'm gonna use this against you yeah so it's crazy. No, it is. And uh, like I said, next week we'll be talking about episodes seven and eight, uh, right before, right before Christmas, and the week after will be our our season finale of next. We're doing episodes nine and ten. But um, what do you got? What do you got in the go the rest of the week, Seamus? What's what's on? Oh, the- I'm just giving my mind a break. I just I also uh, we'll be going back to Tuesday episodes. Uh, this was yeah. just only for Fine. my. Ex- for solely for my exam so uh again i appreciate that but uh looking forward to next tuesday as well uh just wrap up a little bit of work i got still lots to do and uh i got a lot of that last minute christmas shopping as well what about what about you what do you got in the plan um like i said uh just working i'm gonna do a podcast friday night uh i'm gonna try to do a world junior preview show coming up um and um yeah just you know football the works basketball starting next Tuesday. I'm excited for that. So are you going to give us a contender or you who you think will contend for the juniors? I think Canada will win. Uh, okay. You think we're going back to back? Baby? Yeah, I do. I the, like, like, you know, it's the one team I root for whenever yeah. it's on team Canada. So I'll be, you know, I've got my Jersey. I probably won't wear it, but I'll have it nearby. Um, Super but yeah, I think Canada will win. I think the United States as a very good team. I wouldn't be surprised to see them win their group, but they have a tough, the U S is in a group with Russia and Sweden and Finland. Like they're in a group of death. So, mm-hmm. um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Canada to U S in a, in a final. That'd be a lot I'd of fun. See it. Yeah. Um, just a, as a little prediction, I don't know if it's been announced or not. Who do you guys captain for team Canada? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to say Dylan cousins, returnee okay. yeah i think just because he seems like the leader of the team um Same. it wouldn't be surprised it was kirby doc either they like to give it to the, the guy who has nhl experience but okay. um, the last time they did that jake for tanning got it and uh <laughs> i wouldn't wish i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy yes well i mean come on like he's uh he's a great player he's a nice little cypher there in vancouver so yeah yeah he's uh he's something yeah just crap heap uh but yeah no it's gonna be fun it starts uh, christmas day this year uh the feature game that day is russia and the u.s so yeah. and fun. this is the first this is the is this the first time it's gonna be on christmas day yep instead of boxing day yeah yeah so they're they're doing it because they want to get this it done quicker just because they're in the bubble or whatever but actually the gold medal games on the tuesday night Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's a little different, but, um, uh, I'm pumped for it and, um, it should be, should be a lot of fun over the break to watch some, some good kids play some hockey. Exactly. 
Exactly. So yeah, um, that's what we got in the go the rest of the week. Like Seamus said, we'll be back to regular Tuesday nights next week. But for me and Seamus here at To The Point, uh, thank you for listening and we'll talk soon. Take care.